I often talk about that story that I think many of us are familiar with of Jesus feeding the 5,000. But what strikes me about that story is that when the disciples started panicking about the number of people and the overwhelming nature of the need on that uh, day, Jesus just asked this really surprising question, which is like, you give them something to eat. And the disciples say, you know, oh my goodness, like are we supposed to sell our whole year's salary? And then he says, uh, very casually, what do you have in your hand? Welcome to the Ending Poverty Together podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Shalane. And we're here to discuss big questions about poverty in bite-sized ways. Musu Taylor-Lewis directs communications, fundraising, and public engagement at Canadian Food Grains Bank. She combines her prior education and experience in community economic development, communications, and theology to motivate Canadians to get involved in the Food Grains Bank's work of ending global hunger. By her early 20s, she had lived in seven cities on three continents before settling down on Canada's west coast. Prior to joining the Food Grains Bank, Musu built experience in project management, marketing, and public engagement, working in various Christian service and public sector organizations in British Columbia. Musu currently works from her home in Aurora, Ontario, and is currently co-chair of the Task Force on Accountability on the Anti-Racism Framework for the International Cooperation Sector in Canada. Musu, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. So we would love to just jump right into our topic, uh, as we usually do on our podcast. And we like to do that by asking our guests to please finish the sentence, Poverty is... Poverty is material, it is a lack of community, it is lack of access to resources that God has provided to all of us. Mm, Thank Mm -hmm. you. Musu, we also want to take a little bit of time to get to know you a bit more. You work, as we mentioned in the intro, with Canadian Food Grains Bank. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization and about your role with them? Well, Canadian Food Grains Bank is, it's a partnership of 15 churches and church-based agencies uh, that have, uh, are working together to end global hunger. Our 15 agencies um, represent about 30 Canadian denominations, Christian denominations in Canada. Mm. And uh, the 15 agencies represent Catholics, Pentecostal, Adventists, the United Church, the Anglican Church in Canada. Uh, just a really big, wide tent of organizations that have just come together to say, you know, when it comes to the matter of people facing hunger, it's not something that we can afford to divide on. And so put the differences aside, sit together at the table and come up with uh, a joint effort to end global hunger. So my role is, I think I get to do the fun part. I get to, Mm. to really just encourage Canadians to get involved and and the work of ending hunger. We constantly inviting Canadians in different ways to take part in this effort. It's important, it's vital, it's a matter of justice. And so um, in all of our communications, in the way we engage our public, in the way we do our our supporter relations, it's all about encouraging people, mobilizing people to really get involved in the work of ending hunger. And we do that by inviting people to pray, to give, to learn, to advocate. Everybody can do something to change the world that we live in and to make sure everybody has access to food. 
Mm. I like that you use the word encourage Canadians there because when I hear global hunger, there's a that's a pretty big term. So it 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 seems like we would need some encouraging with that. How do you find how do you find it communicating that message about something that's so potentially overwhelming to Canadians? I think it comes down to really helping people see that there is something they can do. We all, none of us can do this on our own. So that's part of what I love about the Food Grains Bank is that right from in, in, in everything we do, we're collaborative because it's not something that can be addressed by any one person, not by any one organization, not by any one country, not by any one church, right? And so with everybody doing the piece that they can, then the possibility is there. We know that there's enough food in the world to feed everybody. So it's a matter of what do we need to do to make sure everybody has access to that food. And so those four invitations that we make bring it down to earth, so to speak, because it is really quite a heavenly vision to say Mm -hmm. a world without hunger. That's our vision, a Mm -hmm. world without hunger. And to bring it down to what people can do Prayer is important. It helps inform us. It helps keep us humble, reminding us that we need each other. We need God. We need um, wisdom uh, to do this. We can learn. The more we learn, the better we can respond to what we know, to the understanding that we gain from learning. We can give. So like many other um, nonprofits, we depend on the support of Canadians, um, the support of the Canadian government to provide the resources for us to do the work. And advocacy. Um, When we talk about the fact that no one person can do this work, we also know that there's a role for government. And so as Canadians, advocating with our government to reflect our values of dignity, of right relationship, of food justice, and Mm -hmm. asking our Canadian government to reflect those values in the world by the ways, by the policies they have, and the ways in which they use the available resources that they have for, for helping other countries that need the support. Musu, a couple times now you have used the term justice. Can you help make some connections for us, for our listeners, between hunger and justice issues? Yeah, I think um, one of the key reasons people face hunger in our world is really poverty and inequality. And uh, there's, you know, many forms of that. There's the ways in which trade happens. There's the access people have to transportation. There's the, the underlying reasons for material poverty, where uh, the in unequal access to work, to mm-hmm. income generating activities, <clears throat> to markets that uh, people need, that even if they produce food, they're not able to get them to market to generate income mm-hmm. in order to exit poverty, right? So those kinds of things are what we're talking about. It's, it's about everything from how food is produced to how it's distributed to how it's uh, moved around the world, right? When we talk about food justice, we're talking about the systems that get food from being produced to our tables, so everything along the way, um, there are different ways in which those are interrupted and that interrupt people's access to food. And so that's a matter of inequality. And that's what we're talking about, getting a world where there's enough access so that everybody has enough nutritious food to live healthy and active lives. That's our definition of food mm-hmm. security, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And that was actually going to be my next question. And you're already touching on it. This sounds like it's touching on the topic of food insecurity. Could you mm-hmm. speak a little bit more to that term? 
I like to think of it this way. If I can turn the the question back to you for a second, when you mm-hmm. think about um, you know coming to the end of the day and and food, what is the question that comes to mind for you as a Canadian? I think our question fundamentally is often, what will I eat? I wonder mm-hmm. what I'll have for mm-hmm. dinner. I wonder if I'm in the mood for pasta or for potatoes. You know, um, mm-hmm. so that question fundamentally shows our sense of security. Our question mm-hmm. is not, will there be food yeah. this mm-hmm. evening? Will I have dinner today? Our question is not, will I have dinner tomorrow morning? And even when we think about next uh, week, next month, or next year, we're generally not concerned about whether or not there'll be food. Mm-hmm. That is food security. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about food insecurity, it's that sense of facing hunger, whether it is immediately, I don't have enough food to eat and I have no way of accessing it. So we often talk about hunger and I worry sometimes that that makes it sound like the same thing that we experience at uh, five o'clock in the evening. Mm-hmm. It's not the same, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. we're, when we're facing hunger, we are thinking at five o'clock in the evening, will I have food to fill that, satisfy that hunger? Either right. now or you're looking in the cupboards and thinking this is going to run out in three days and I don't know how we're going to refill that. Mm. So that is fundamentally the sense yeah. that give, paints the picture of what it means to be food insecure. But so there's four things that we think about. Is the food available? Mm-hmm. And if it's available, are people able to access it? We think about, again, in the Canadian context, just to make that link to what we're talking about globally, mm-hmm. there are people in Canada, food is abundantly available. It's everywhere. We have four or five options of supermarkets. But there are people within our communities who can't access it, whether it's because they live in the north or they're facing homelessness or poverty that they don't have the money to buy it. So they can't access the food, right? Mm -hmm. And then how is it used? And that's the question of nutrition. You know, are people getting enough varieties? Are they getting the right quantities uh, to feed their body's needs uh, adequately? And then last but not least, is it stable? That sense that I started Mm -hmm. off with of when I'm thinking about my concerns about next year, am I, is food not a concern? That stability mm-hmm. that yeah. I will have it available, I'll be able to access it, and I'll be able to use it in the best possible way. That's what we mean when we talk about food security. You mentioned that definition of hunger, where I might think I'm hungry because I'm about to eat a meal, Is there actually an international measure for experiencing hunger? Well, um, I think I alluded to a little bit. Like the definition that we use is that when all peoples have access to enough nutritious food to Mm live active and healthy lives. And so the measure is, is there enough food? Is there enough nutritious food? Mm-hmm. Um, and are people able to access it? And there's different ways those are measured by international agencies around the world. So there are two reports that we tend to look to every year to see uh, where we are on our goal of a world without hunger. And the one is the report on the state of food insecurity and also the global report on food crises. So where would you say, Musu, is the greatest food insecurity in the world right now? What populations are experiencing this most dramatically? Mm. Well, most dramatically, 
I'd say people who are caught in regions of the world that are facing conflict. So there are three main reasons why people are facing hunger today. The first is that all seas conflict. Uh, the second is climate. And the third is COVID, mm. uh, which has created a massive economic crisis around the world that has increased hunger. So really, when you ask that question today, 2021, I'd say people in areas of conflict and people for whom COVID-19 has created an economic crisis. So Food Grains Bank is in nine out of 10 countries that uh, have the highest number of people facing hunger today. And those are, you'll hear, you know, you've probably heard in the news some of them, uh, some of the conflict, but places like Democratic Republic of Congo, Yemen, Afghanistan, Syria, Zimbabwe, it's uh, definitely a climate and economic uh, driver, mm. South Sudan, it's conflict, and Haiti. So we're in those nine out of the, and that's nine out of 10 of the countries uh, that the global uh, report lists as having the most number of people facing hunger currently. So shifting gears just a touch here, Musu, you know, one of the things that maybe comes to mind for listeners or comes to mind just in general when we're talking about giving out food aid is that perhaps there's a perspective that says, oh, just giving out food is a handout system and that perpetuates dependency rather than helping people provide for their own family. First of all, what would you kind of say to that perspective? And then secondly, how does your work seek to combat dependency? The fact is when we, when we hear those three drivers, those are crisis. People facing mm -hmm. crisis need emergency food assistance, which could be described as a handout. I wouldn't describe that as a handout. I'd describe mm -hmm. it as meeting somebody at that point of need, at very vulnerable point of need. If people who have had to flee their homes because uh, they're unsafe and they're violently unsafe, their lives might be in, at risk. People have, you know, have escaped with their family because they'd rather escape with their lives than their livelihoods, which means that they cannot in a, in a crisis situation, provide for themselves. Uh, people facing drought who have been farming for generations and in the last three, four years, the land is not producing the way it used to. And that is a crisis because if you've lived in the same place for your whole life and you don't have alternatives for travel, you don't have access to, um, to just move to the city or whatever it is, and you have family considerations, that is a crisis you're facing. And in those situations, emergency food assistance is needed. Now, Food Grains Bank, in our work, we will often move from emergency food assistance into our long-term assistance where we're supporting families in their own efforts to exit the crisis and to um, develop long-term solutions for food security for their families. So by what I mean is that uh, when we are working, um, we, work, we work in those two ways, emergency food assistance, which is about 60% of our work, and then another 35, which is long-term development. It's really focused from the Food Grains Bank on agricultural work, livelihood work, you know, savings and loans, and um, a few other things, and the, the nutrition support, especially in crisis situations. We are also, um, excitedly, this is um, just happening now, we just uh, entered into agreement with the Canadian government for a program that puts those two things together so that it's today's recovery 
Mm. and long-term solutions together, like uh, working together, mm. what we call nexus programming in, in, the, in the sector. But it's basically <clears throat> combining emergency food assistance and long-term solutions to hunger. And so that is part of what we're doing. We're working with the government to develop a, a framework so that this can be more um, common in the way we work. We tend to do these two things separately. And clearly those are things that need to be working together. So um, mm. we're, we've just started uh, that and we're excited about what we'll learn and a better ways of doing it, especially from the people who will be participating in those programs and what they can teach us and tell us about what is working and how to combine these two aspects in a, in a way that's uh, appropriate and relevant in each of the many contexts in which we work. It sounds like you have such a clear perspective on context of what's needed in this situation. Yeah, that's so important, right? We're working in 34 countries, I believe, last uh, fiscal year, and uh, each context is uh, somewhat different. We, we, you know, there is a shared humanity, right? Uh, food mm -hmm. is a fundamental need. We know that, and we go in with that uh, sense of humility. But if we go into a community and we're we are let's just say, located in the wrong place, that people are not going to access, uh, you know, emergency food, then we haven't met our mandate. So we need to be closely aligned. Food Grains Back model is always based on working with uh, locally based community organizations. All of our members um, work with established relationships they have with local organizations in the countries in which we work. And all of the, the proposals are made by members for funding. So Food Grains Bank, as the name implies, funds this work and provides technical support and programs design and all those kinds of things. But the work is really done by locally based organizations in collaboration with a Canadian member of the Food Grains Bank. Mm. There's so many reasons why I see that the Food Grains Bank and Food for the Hungry align that that love for collaboration that appreciation, the, the majority of our work is focused on community development. We also do some relief work. And then also this sense that what we do in Canada is to support the work that is happening in a local context. Uh, Musu, it does make me wonder, as people are listening and they're wondering, how, how could I be involved? How can I actually help address hunger issues uh, when I'm just kind of living my life here in Canada? Mm -hmm. I'd say start with what you have. I often talk about that story that I think many of us are familiar with of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And it sounds like too easy for what we do in Food for the Hungry and uh, Canadian Food Grains Bank. But what strikes me about that story is that, um, you know, when the disciples started panicking about the number of people and the overwhelming nature of the need on that uh, day, um, Jesus just asked this really surprising question, which is like, you give them something to eat. And the disciples say, you know, oh my goodness, like, are we supposed to sell our whole year's, uh, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, are we supposed to give our whole year's worth of salary? And then he says, uh, very casually, what do you have in your hand? And so I would say to your listeners to ask themselves, what do you have in your hand? And uh, we each have something we can give. 
we can start off, let's say, with advocacy, write a letter to your MP, like I said, uh, think, learn more about these issues around uh, why this hunger exists in the world, learn more about poverty, inequality, about the conflicts, the climate change and natural disasters that lead to hunger, and why systems of the food um, chain is broken. Um, so that you can uh, give a more informed response. So learning is possible, right? You have resources mm-hmm. available. We have resources on our website at foodgrainsbank.ca for people to learn more about the issues. And then um, give. Give your money. Give your time. Put your efforts behind uh, your prayers and what you're learning. And every little bit counts. You know, sometimes we talk about the big numbers But it starts with one person. And then when we have thousands of Canadians giving what they are able to give, we're able to do a whole lot. And combining that with what the government does and other countries and other organizations are doing, um, whether or not they're part of our network, that makes a difference. So volunteering your time is a way to give. And uh, so advocacy, prayer, giving, and learning. And if you do that whatever's in your hand that's where the miracles happen right to end the story is like just giving what's in your hand and when we place what we have in god's hands that's where the miracles takes place mm. well if this conversation is prompting questions for you we encourage our listeners to reach out to us at podcast at fhcanada.org to continue this amazing conversation that we're sharing with musu today so musu What are some of the books and resources that you would recommend to our listeners who want to learn more about what we're talking about today? Hmm. I haven't, I didn't think too far ahead on this. So I'll default to say, check out our resource library at Mm foodgrainsbank.ca. We have a number of videos with, you know, basic explainers about food security. Um, We have a youth resource guide that has just been developed called Hunger for Justice. And that's for um, educators and youth leaders who want to learn more and uh, find ways of engaging young people on um, issues of food justice. On that uh, resource library, we also have Uh, worship guides. Uh, World uh, Refugee Day is coming up on the 20th, and we have a worship resource guide uh, available there right now. So yeah, I would say check out our offerings on our resource library at foodgrainsbank.ca as a starting point. Great. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Musu, do you have specific stories of individuals who have benefited from the work of the Food Grains Bank that you'd be willing to share with us? Uh, Yes, absolutely. Um, I just think of uh, that last uh, journey I made to to visit some of our programs in uh, Kenya on a, you know, a group of board and staff members went to, to, to just learn more. It's just always very humbling when you see how people are uh, working to raise themselves out of situations in which they face hunger. And this particular lady, her name was Damaris. She had been a participant in in our Scaling Up Conservation Agriculture Program, which was a five-year program to train farmers in Eastern Africa in conservation agriculture principles, which um, which help to increase yield and protect the soil. So I don't want to go into the technicalities of the program, but 
this lady, she and her husband had been farming on their um, family land for years and they hadn't been yielding very much. So he had um, he needed to go uh, work in the city and she stayed in the village farming. So when she accessed this training that was offered by the local agency that our member uh, World Renew was working with in, in her particular community in Kenya, she came home excited about what she had learned and had talked to her husband about doing this. So he didn't trust this. There's also risk, right, of the unknown. Um, you know, this is how we know to farm. We don't know what that's going to do. So they kind of decided that she would farm on a small corner of the land um, just to experiment. And uh, to, to hear it told, it was sort of the most unproductive area. So they're reducing the risk, right? Uh, so she farms on this plot of land and the yield excited him. So then they, they then agree to expand the area that, that they will use conservation agriculture principles on. The neat thing about that is the knock-on effect for her family. Not only did they increase the amount of food that they had available, but um, her husband now seeing that the land was becoming more productive when he was home on the weekends, he was going to the city during the week to work and having to come home just to, to provide for his family. Seeing the results of this, on weekends, he started helping her with farming because up till now, farming was kind of a peripheral activity for their family, but suddenly it made a difference. And it, it not only provided food, but had the potential to provide income. And as the yield increased, um, he then started using his uh, income from his earnings in the city to pay for additional labor to help her with harvesting. Because one of the things that happened was that there was too much for her to harvest, which meant there would be waste in order to avoid that. So you can see how addressing the issue of food insecurity led to a stronger family, led to a better collaboration between a husband and wife in that setting. And we actually, when you talk about a resource, we actually have a very short seven minute film on our resource library right now called, um, oh gosh, I, I've, I've lost the name of it right now, of a, a similar story that happened in Ethiopia, a farmer giving us a tour of her farm. Uh, her name is Asna Ketchzima. And um, she, she goes through this process and shows how they went from producing more yield to uh, the family benefits of that and the children, um, they're now um, being more secure about being able to go to school and all those kinds of things. So for me, fundamentally, that's what always um, excites me and motivates me is when I actually come face to face with people who are making great effort and, and that we're able to play a small part in their journey to, to exit uh, food insecurity. What I love about that story is all of those pieces that you highlighted, and they were hiring community members. So there's additional income then and livelihood for people beyond the family as well. Exactly. I mean, the, the piece that I, I didn't put in there is she also joined a farmer support group, which was created as part of the program. And the, the effects on the community are just like multiplied over and over again, because all these farmers then were able to, to come together and um, a bargain sort of, you know, like the Canadian cooperative model. Very similar thing where they were saving together and then um, as their yields increased, they were also um, negotiating together for better prices at market. It's actually really exciting to see. Hmm. Uh, Musu, one question that we typically ask our guests is, as we're coming to sort of the end of our conversation, is are there any questions that you would hope we had asked that um, you would like to answer just off the top of your head? 
or just anything else you'd like to tell us? Anything else you feel like, oh, I wish I wish I could just speak to that? Uh, just that, I think just to re-emphasize that there, there's a role, we, we all have a role to play. Um, I'm talking specifically about the hunger issue, but as I st- we started off at the beginning, there's so many pieces, right? When it comes to talking about poverty overall, which is what you're talking about, but we all have a part we can play. And if we play it with humility and in recognition that others need, we need each other in order to resolve this issue of inequality in our world, then it is possible. Um, I think that's really what I want to say. It really is possible um, to live in a world where people do not have to go without the basics. Mm-hmm. It really is possible. I'm really, I really believe that with all my heart. It does take each and every one of us, and it takes courage to see, yeah. and it takes humility to, to actually do something that's meaningful and work in a way that's equal with others in our world. Both Eric and I have had the privilege of traveling with Food for the Hungry and seeing firsthand the importance of people's connection to the land and to the productivity of the land. And it's it's one of the things that has struck me recently is we are very disconnected in Canada to our food sources and to food production. So I just would encourage listeners if you're able to check out some of these videos and resources that Musu is talking about, because I think it really can help educate us around where does my food come from? And that in and of itself, I, I, I really appreciate your perspective on education, Musu, because I think that really does, that does begin the change within us. I, I know that's been true in my own life. I, I would say then, you know, when you talk about the, the connection to the land, we have, um, uh, opportunities for people who are who feel that disconnection, especially those of us in the urban area, which is seventy percent of us uh, Canadians, uh, we have this um, a project program called Grow Hope, where uh, members connect urban people in urban um, areas, especially urban churches, with growing projects. Um, uh, you may have heard, like growing projects are uh, community projects in uh, agricultural communities where they uh, grow uh, grain, a crop. Uh, sell it and give the proceeds to the Food Grains Bank um, in order to, uh, as an act of solidarity with uh, people around the world who are facing hunger. And many of our members have Grow Hope projects. Uh, Mennonite Central Committee comes to mind. World Renew has some. The uh, mm-hmm. Anglican Agency, uh, PWRDF, has a Grow Hope project. And that's how you link with farmers here in Canada to participate in those growing projects. And um, in doing so, very often uh, there is a, you know, an event where people in the cities will go out to the growing project that they are helping to sponsor, helping to provide income for the inputs of those um, growing projects. And they participate in the harvest days and learn more about uh, food production here in Canada, which is an important component of, of participating in this work. Well, Musu, thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today. For those who are interested in learning more about your work, uh, where can they find more information? Yeah, so our website is a good place to start. I've referred to our resource library. We're at foodgrainsbank.ca. If you go slash resources, you'd start at our resource page. But right on the homepage, you'll be able to, to find out more about um, the work we do, why we do the work we do, more about causes of hunger. We have a whole lot of information about the program I mentioned um, that's 
bringing together emergency food assistance and long-term responses. Um, we have that um, information on our website right now. And then we are on um, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and on LinkedIn. And you can find us in, on any of those channels to follow us and to, to learn more about the work we do on an ongoing basis. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us and helping us to learn more about Canadian Food Grains Bank, but also just to get to know you a little bit better. Appreciate your time. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Shalane and Eric. It's been great. To explore what your next steps could be or find out more about Canadian Food Grains Bank and what other Canadians are doing about poverty, start by checking out fhcanada.org resources. 